Welcome to the Italian Football Podcast with John Solano, Carlo Garganese and Nima Tuvali. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another interview episode of the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese. I hope you're all doing well. We have a big treat for you on the show today, especially if you're a boxing fan. Before I introduce today's guest, just a reminder that if you want to get access to all of the episodes of the Italian Football Podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a member for only $2.99 a month. That gets you access to not only our twice weekly podcast, but all of our written work, features, transfer exclusives and much, much more. You can also help participate in the show by asking questions of our guests. So again, that's patreon.com slash TIFP. Okay, so now let's introduce our seventh guest of the season. He's a former world champion boxer in two different weight classes a flamboyant fighter with an iron chin who fought the likes of Miguel Cotto, Zab Judah and Ricky Hatton. He went on to become a bare-knuckle boxer while he is now regarded as one of the most knowledgeable and astute boxing commentators and pundits in the sport. He is also a huge fan of Italian football and the Italy national team, so we are absolutely delighted to invite onto the show Paulie the Magic Man Malinaggi, Paulie, welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? You're you're in Sicily right now, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing good, man. Uh, uh, you know, my pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me. Uh, hi, Paulie. I wanted to start off. You spent part of your early childhood in Sicily. Um, when it comes to sport, was uh, was football or soccer or boxing your first love? Yeah, actually. Football was uh, football was my uh, first love. It was my first. Um, my father played a uh, lower level of professional professional football in Italy, and we lived uh, in Italy for most of my uh, young earlier part of my of my life. So it was. Um, I, I took to it at, at first uh, while well, my parents were together. You know, unfortunately, my parents went separate ways in my childhood, and it kind of took me in a different direction. But um, I. Um, it was it was the first sport I really I really liked. Did uh, you said your father played uh, calcio? Which which teams did he play, and how far up in the level did he, like how far up in the in the leagues did he get? He reached high seriously. He played him mainly on in, in Sicily. Um, I remember a team called Shikli, um, mm. a couple other teams uh, on the island of Sicily. Um, when I was born, he got uh, he ended up playing a year in Mexico. Um, and that's um, it's mainly why I was born in the U.S. Uh, my mother's parents had moved to the U.S., so my mother stayed back in New York, and he played huh. in Mexico for that reason. But then, um, but then uh, after the season ended in June or so, we moved back to Italy in uh, June of '81. So that's why I'm born in the U.S., but I'm raised mostly in Sicily my first years of my life. Ah, cool. So, what are your first calcio memories? Uh, we all have a tournament that we remember, and for me, it was uh, the World Cup in Italy, 1990. Uh, what was yours? Uh, yeah, the, well, Italy 1990 was my first World Cup. I have memories of uh, football before that, though. Um, I remember my, my very first memory of, of uh, understanding things, sort of understanding things. I was not able to really understand the World Cup, but I can remember the Italy-France game from the 1986 World Cup where uh, France eliminated Italy. Mm. And I can remember being in the house. We lived uh, in Sicily, and I can remember my father, you know, it was really <laughs> 
being upset. And I can remember him watching the game. We were all in the in the room. We were actually eating and watching the game. And um, my father then went downstairs, and he had to go in his uh, in his bedroom because he was so upset. And he was watching the game. Um, and uh, I remember asking my mother, "Mom, what, what what's you know what's his problem? What's going on?" She's <laughs> like, "Yeah, don't bother him right now. Italy's losing." And I remember asking, "Well, who was Italy playing?" And she said, "They're playing France." You know, I had no idea what the World Cup even was yet, though. You know, I was uh, <laughs> a few months shy my sixth birthday. But I, I, I had an understanding already that Italy was a big passion. Uh, the game, uh, when that Italian national team played, it was a big passion, you know? Mm, um, for sure. I didn't even know that we were the defending champions going into the World Cup, you know? So that probably caused for more upset, um, more, uh, more of a being upsetting for my father because, uh, you know, coming off the World Cup four years earlier, I guess, you know, and watching us win and then uh, watching Italy win and then having to see that, uh, up, that uh, disappointing performance against France in 86 when we were eliminated early. So I, I didn't understand until a, bit, a couple of years later, I looked at uh, an, an, uh, a sports almanac and I saw the Italy-France result in the 86 World Cup and I said, oh my God, that's that's the day my father was really angry. You know? <laughs> Michelle Platini scored, I remember, in that game. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, Stopira and Platini scored, yeah. That's right. And then, um, and then um, you know, that was my very, very first memory of actually competitive football, you know, competitive mm. culture. For sure. Uh, but then uh, I remember my father bought me and my brother uh, Juventus kits, you know. Uh, he bought, and he wasn't even a Juventus fan, you know, he was still playing, he wasn't even, but he just, I don't know what, what the idea was, right? I remember my father was like Inter, and oh. uh, he, he bought me and my brother, he bought me and my brother Juventus kits. And so, uh, from so there, was that from your there, favorite I, team? Was that your favorite that team growing favorite up? Team. That was my favorite team growing up as a kid uh, with Juventus because of these kids. You know, uh, I just started loving Juventus and I heard, you know, hearing good things about Juventus. Ironically, it was not Juventus's best years. I mean, they weren't terrible, obviously, but compared to what they had been, their reputation, it wasn't mm. their best years. They won. Uh, they wound up winning a UEFA Cup, I think, in uh, in '90 over Fiorentina, actually in the finals. Yeah. But um, couldn't win the Scudetto, you know. Milan, Milan was just too strong, you know. Uh, and Napoli was also very strong. Um, mm. And I remember my first Scudetto that I can remember following. Inter actually won it. I think it's '88. Inter won the Scudetto. That from the first season that I remember actually like kind of following uh, the, the the Scudetto a little bit and understanding it, you know. Yeah, um, the '88-'89 so, Trapattoni, the Inter dei Record. Yeah, yeah, around there, yeah, around there, yeah. And that was uh, kind of the first season I can remember, like specifically following, you know, like specifically following, and like kind of getting an understanding on a week-to-week basis. You know, by then I was actually in the U.S. We used to get the games every week. You used to get like one match of the of the of the week on Sunday morning, the preferred match, and then mm. you'd get the Nomadesimo minuto. You get the Nomadesimo minuto from Italy, which was the <laughs> highlight show. Uh, yeah. So it was a morning and then an afternoon thing because in Italy, uh, the U.S. had six hours behind. You know. Mm. So I, I, I was following the season like that, you know, and that kind of got me going. So by the time I got to the 1990 World Cup the next year, I was uh, pretty in tune with what was going on. You know, I, I watched Juve win the UEFA Cup, uh, being Fiorentina, a uh, Fiorentina team that Baggio played for, actually, um, in 89-90. Um, mm. And then, um, you know, I, I think I think, I think, uh, I think Napoli won the Scudetto that year um, in 90, and then going yeah. to the World Cup. I just remember it being super, super excited. So these are my first football memories, and it was, uh, you know, <laughs> it was, it was, you know, when you first get that bug, it's yeah. really amazing. <laughs> all, all, um, 
it's all uh, really, really genuine, you know, really, really mm. genuine. And you're just, you're just so amazed with everything you're watching. So was Roberto Baggio your idol growing up as a kid? And is he your favorite Italian player or favorite player of all time? Roberto Baggio is probably a guy that I, I is, you know, I'm not really taken too much by meeting stars. I've met a lot of stars in my life, but I think, I think Roberto Baggio is probably the only guy that if I ever met him, I'd be a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I've loved that guy since I'm a kid, you know, and mm. he's been my favorite. Uh, I just adored him, you know. He gave me so many memories, especially the 94 tournament, uh, the 90, 93 Wafer Cup with Juve, you know. Um, oh, yeah. The 94, wow. 94, 94 World Cup, you know. Just, I just adored him, you know. Uh, and and, and I, I, I adored him in, in a key part of my childhood, you know. Mm. Um, you know, where you're really, really getting to know superstars and getting to really love superstars uh, uh, that really take effect in your life, you know? So, mm. so Baggio is really, uh, somebody that if I met, I think, you know, I, I'd probably, even myself, I'd act like a fan, you know? I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't even I think, know how I'd react, you know? I think that's, I, I think it's true of all of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Baggio was my, he was my, you know, when I was a kid, I, I had his boots, he had his yellow, yellow Diodora boots when I used to play. I used to have them. Yeah. I, I wanted the pony. I wanted the ponytail as well, but my mum wouldn't wouldn't let, <laughs> wouldn't let me have it. Yeah, but he doesn't do much media. Uh, Bad Joe. He's a very reserved no, guy. No, so. no. I, I think I, I find him to be um, a bit bitter about everything, you know. And he sh he should be, you know. I I think uh, I don't think he was treated right. I think I think if Baggio played in the marketplace today in his prime, he'd probably have been on like a Real Madrid team or something, you mm. know. He'd probably yeah. have won the. You know, yeah. but, you know, he played at a different time where, you know, players like him were hard to really appreciate in Italy, you know? Mm -hmm. He's quite like, rebellious, uh, quite it, rebellious guy as well. Like, he's anti-establishment. Like, obviously, being a Buddhist as well, that back anti, then. Anti, yeah, anti-establishment, but he was always for the team, you know? Like, yeah. he wasn't like a Cassano, for example, who was anti-establishment and got along with nobody, you know? Like, and I love Cassano, <laughs> by the way. But, but yeah. Claudio was, was very much for the team, you know? He was, mm -hmm. a, he was a team guy, you know? So it was... You know, he wanted to win for the team, you know, so he was anti-establishing, but I don't know, I wouldn't say he was in a rebellious way, at least that's not how I saw yeah, it. Yeah, but he's a, he's a great guy. Like, I just felt like, I don't know, the, I, you know, I felt like the style in, in, in Italy was a, a, a bit different, like, you know, they were really big on the, what we call the, in Italy, the tornante type of forward, you know, where the, the, the mm. forward that comes back to help out the defense, you know, and, and yeah. Baggio wasn't really a tornante, a tornante type, so he got on he got on the bad side of some of these coaches that he played for, you know, but he really wasn't built to be that kind of guy, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, a lot of guys, uh, there's a big appreciation for Del Piero, I think mainly because, you know, he was obviously loyal to his team, but also because, you know, he played that Tornante role too, you know, he'd come back mm. and help out and whatnot. Mm. And yes, I think that's great, but I just don't think that that fit in with the Serie A at that time. And it was not customary to leave leave your league prior to 96 Bosman ruling it really wasn't customary to for so many guys to leave their own particular league you know their domestic their own domestic league so because I really think with that style of play it would have been more suited for an, another league you know either in Spain or maybe in England or, or whatnot you know yeah. um, I don't think uh, I don't think Syria really you know he had success in Syria don't get me wrong I mean he won the 95 Scudetto he won the 93 Wafer Cup with uh, he won the 95 Scudetto with Juve he won the 93, 93 Wafer Cup with mm. with uh Juve as well, and then obviously some other things with other teams. But I just, I just don't think he was. his had a style that that could be appreciated at that time in Italy. You know, the Italian methodology of, of football was, wasn't there. I mean, if you look at it, 
even Patrick Cliver and Thierry Henry came to play football in Serie A in the 90s, mm-hmm. and, and they didn't do very well either. You know, it was just, mm-hmm. it was just certain things about certain qualities, certain mm-hmm. things that, you know, could not be appreciated in Italy at that time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, one thing, Baggio was, was ma- massively successful with the Italy national team, and, and as you've already said, you're, you're very passionate uh, uh, about the Azzurri. So what, what's your assessment of the current Italy squad, and, and how well do you think they can do at the, uh, the European Championship next summer? I don't really have a, a crazy assessment of them. I think they're, they're young, getting to know each other a little bit. They're getting to get the, kind of getting the feel of the, of the, and the chemistry a little bit. I didn't quite enjoy them the last couple of games they played. Um, I'm watching them. Um, I, I don't think we have, you know, it's sad because we've always at least had guys that can put the ball in the net. You know, I, I haven't always agreed with our lack of creativity in, in our midfield in some generations. You know, for example, I can remember the 98 World Cup team, for example. I thought we had a great team, but I thought we had no creativity in the midfield, you know. So mm. there, was a, there was a bit, of a, there was a, bit of, a, of, of a drag between the defense and the, and the attack. You know, we had a great attack with Baggio and Vieri, but, but the midfield, although stout defensively, it just had no creativity at all. Yeah. You know? So you couldn't, you, couldn't, you couldn't bring the ball forward, and I think that was ultimately costly for us against France. But, but um, I, I think we have a creative bunch of guys that, want, that kind of – you know, are getting better, um, but I think our forwards are terrible. I, I mean, I've never <laughs> seen such terrible forwards for Italy in my life. I mean, absolutely terrible. Nobody can put the ball in. You couldn't. They couldn't put the ball in the net if if if, if you handed it to them. You know, into an empty. I can. It's actually very very frustrating to watch. Very very frustrating to watch, because um, I've I've never really taken to guys who play well for the club, and then for the national team they choke. I just, I was never, I, I, I had kind of a pet peeve for guys like that. I mean, listen, it's not personal because I'm sure they're good guys, but just as a fan of the, of the team, I have always had a pet peeve for guys who could put the ball in the net for their club and then put the national team jersey on and just forget how to play. You know, I'm like, I really, really. You know, Ch- I, Chiro, I, I, Chiro Immobile, yeah? We talked about him. was kind of like that a little bit. If you remember Mancini, Mancini was a great Sampdoria player, but a little bit, he had that little, a little bit in him um, with, the, with the national team, you know? Matter yeah. of fact, I remember the 90 national team, speaking of the 90 World Cup, where we couldn't put the ball in the net, so that we had to start bringing in Scalacci off the bench, and he was putting the ball in the net. So Carnevale was the same way. Carnevale was a good player for Napoli. Mm. Was, he couldn't score for Italy. He oh, couldn't do it. We've always kind of had a couple of guys that were like that, but we've always had enough depth in, 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 within the league that we could all, always call up other guys and, and who could score, you know, like, who could put the ball in the net with the national team. Now, I don't know, man. I mean, personally, I, I'd, I'd like to play El Shirawi a little more, you know. Uh, I, I think, uh, I think um, you know, there's not a lot of options. I, I like Caputo, but even though he's not, he's not that young, I like Caputo. But mm. I, I don't know, man. I, mean, it's just, I don't like Immobile or Belotti. I don't. I really don't. I mean, I, I think they are. I think they're a, atrocious for the national team. I mean, they're, they're okay with Lazio <laughs> and, and, and Torino. They're, they do okay, but... I mean, they put on that blue jersey, and it's like they forget to play how to forget how to play football. I really, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I get sick of watching guys like that. <laughs> you had similar frustrations with Del Piero when he played for Italy, did you? Yeah. Like in terms yeah, of did. not, yeah. I did have, I did have uh, similar frustrations with Del Piero. You know, um, same thing. You know, again, and and Del Piero was, again, I've heard, I've heard Del Piero's a great guy. I've had some of my friends meet him, and they told me he's such a, a gentleman. You know, and so again, this is nothing on a mm. personal level, but. Piero internationally, 
even with Juve in the Champions League, really. I mean, he didn't do much. He never, we never, we never really do much, you know. Mm. Um, uh, at least in terms of, you know, showing up in, in important moments where your team is under pressure, your team is under duress, and you and you need a big goal, you need a big moment. You know, unfortunately, I'm, I grew up spoiled. You know, I grew up with Baggio. You know, with, <laughs> where mm. you, you need a big goal, and this guy would score it. You know, this guy would show up and score it. You know, like now the guys you look to are like that. You know, I mean, listen, it's not Del Piero's fault that they all point the, point the, uh, the, the, the savior tag on him, you know, and, and, and he would, uh, you know, who was that guy, but I, I, I could never ever get a goal out of him when, when really it was needed, you know, yeah. whether it was mm. for Juve or whether it was for Italy, you know, like, you know, people point to, to the, uh, people point to the 2006 semifinal goal with Germany, but, but the game's over. I don't, I don't need that 2 nil goal. I need the 2 nil <laughs> no. goal in about the 70th minute against France in Euro 2000, though. I do. Mm. Oh, God. Yes, yes. I don't oh, I'm recovering. I don't need your 2 nil goal against Germany in, in, in the 121st <laughs> minute. I don't need that goal anymore because we won the game. <laughs> but I do need your 2 nil goal in the 70th minute against France at Euro 2000. Oh, that mm. I do need. You know mm. what I'm saying? So, yeah. so it, it's kind of a frustrating thing. You know, um, Del Piero is a guy who had the talent. Um, I think I think if he wasn't thrust, the, if the superstar moniker wasn't thrust on him, he would be just a good player. And I think uh, I think there would be no complaints about him. Um, I wouldn't have any complaints about him. I would just see him as a solid player. But because the, the superstar moniker is thrust on him, now I've got to judge him by a higher standard. And it's kind of mm. hard to judge by that standard. Because like I said, I, I, I got spoiled, man. I, I grew up watching Baggio play. You know, like if you needed a last-minute goal, if you needed a, a, a goal on the duress, um, you know, you, you'd get it from Baggio. You could point to him to get it. If you, if you had a free kick late in the game and you needed a goal, like you, you'd, you'd get it, you know? Mm. I can remember vividly, I can remember vividly uh, the 1991 Cup Winners' Cup semifinal against Barcelona. Uh, uh, Barcelona against Juventus. And Juventus were the defending UEFA Cup champions, and they won the Cup Winners' Cup because they won the Copa Italia the year before. And so... Um, they were uh, in the semis against Barcelona, and they lost the first leg. Did they lose the first leg? Yeah, 3-1. 3-1. 3-1. 3-1, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so I can remember the game being nil-nil, and I got home from school because the game was on in the afternoon in, uh, in, uh, in the U.S., you know? Um, so I got home from school, and it was late in the first half, and it was still nil-nil. So I'm like, oh, my God, we need to make up some goals, man. You know, and I remember the attack was Scalacci and Baggio, you know? Uh, I remember thinking, man, we need to make up some goals. Come on. And I remember we get a free kick in the 60th minute. We get a free kick in about the 60th minute, and Baggio comes up to take it. And you need a goal, man. I mean, you got to make up two goals. You need a goal, like, you need a goal like 10 minutes ago. You know what I'm saying? That's how bad you need a goal, you know? So <laughs> Baggio comes up with a free kick and just puts in this beautiful free kick. I mean, we didn't end up getting by in the, in the, in the, uh, and we didn't end up uh, getting through. But it made the last half hour of the game really exciting because you're one goal away from getting through, you know? So now you're needing that one goal. You're watching the game from needing that one goal. You know, it's, it, you just opened up the entire game. You know what I'm saying? And, it was, it was, and we almost got the 2-0 goal. I remember a couple of times we almost got it, but we didn't get it, and so we were eliminated. But, mm. but nonetheless, I, I, I think of moments like that where you just, you just need a goal. You just need something. And 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 with Del Piero it was always frustrating. You'd never get it. And, but he'd but he'd score three or four against Siena, or against uh, Catania, or against uh, you know that would or, or against or against whatever uh, other low level team in Serie A. You know, so it was a it was a bit frustrating. You know, I always tell people the 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 most 
the best game I ever saw Del Piero play for the national team was a game that probably doesn't even count, you know? It was uh, the 97 Mundialita tournament. It was a, the pre-World Cup tournament in 97, if you remember. Yeah. So, uh, it was the summer of 97. It was England, Italy, France, and Brazil were in this little miniature tournament in France in the summer mm. of 97. It was kind of like, mm. you know, a, 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 an exhibition tournament that was, like, supposed to hype up the next year's World Cup. And mm. Italy, Brazil, and the 3-3. And it was such a good game. I mean, one of the most fun games. I, I, I swear, if I could get the, a copy of this game, I'd, I'd keep it. But even though it's a, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a worthless tournament, it was such open football. It was such a good game. It really was such a good game. And to me, Del Piero played an amazing game. And I remember thinking, wow, you know, this guy's really going to be something, you know? Like, this guy's coming through, you know? And that, that's it. That was, that's about as high as it got for him, for me, you know, yeah. with the national team. I think uh, I think I think the injury, yeah, the injury. I think the injury hurt. I don't want to be the critical guy because I think Del Piero is a solid player. If you don't put the superstar moniker on him, you know, mm. I think Del Piero is a good player. If you don't put the superstar moniker on him, I, I think he's just he's your he's a guy you see and you're like, oh, that guy's a very good player. You know, he's a guy that you you rate that guy. He's a good player. But then when you put a superstar moniker on somebody, the the cat the criteria ends up. Uh, having to, you know, become a yeah. little bit more difficult, and I don't, I don't think he passes that. I don't think he's anywhere near that criteria, actually. I don't because he doesn't. He never came through with any in any in any clutch situations with big goals. You know? Yeah, I definitely agree with you for it for Italy. And you mentioned the 2006 World Cup there. Um, I mean, it's 14 years now since Italy last won a trophy. What do you remember from the 2006 World Cup? Uh, how did you? I mean, how did you celebrate it? The victory. Um, I was celebrated in Brooklyn on, on 18th Avenue in Brooklyn, Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, which at that time was all Italian. If you go to Bensonhurst, Brooklyn now, it is not all Italian, but it was like <laughs> when I grew up, Bensonhurst, Brooklyn was all Italian, and it was uh, the pinnacle. I mean, everything was the pinnacle. I mean, every time Italy played, you would just go on 18th Avenue, which was the center of, of the neighborhood with all the cafes, and you just honk horns and drive around and just go crazy, you know? I remember when Grosso scored the, the penalty kick, I was with my grandfather because I wanted to be with my grandfather and very close with him to, you know, to watch the World Cup win. And then uh, I literally sprinted to 18th Avenue and 71st Street. Now my grandfather's house is on 15th Avenue and 80th Street so in Brooklyn. So you got to figure it's a sprint of about 12, 13, 14 blocks, you know. And I'm, I just ran out the door and sprinted all the way to the cafe on 18th Avenue. <laughs> One of the cafes, the cafe I would go to, that I would hang out at, and uh, and cars were honking already on the way there. I didn't want to drive because I just wanted to be on foot, just jumping up and down on the avenue, you know. And uh, that, it was, I mean, you can see YouTube uh, on YouTube. You can watch, uh, you know, anybody can see this. They put 18th Avenue World Cup celebration, uh, World Cup 2006 World Cup final celebration. I mean, it's the avenue was packed. The avenue was absolutely packed, you know, and it was just a, a massive, massive celebration. <laughs> it, for me, it was like it was amazing, you know, because I'm I'm somebody who, as a kid, used to cry when Italy would get eliminated from the World Cup. So, so for me, you know, in, in '06, it was just like it was uh, it was really, really, uh, really, really exciting. And also, I had just lost my first professional fight. I lost the Miguel Cotto fight. So, so for me, it was really a good way to forget about all of it, you know. Mm. Yeah, I remember that. And and the final itself was was best remembered for for Zidane's headbutt on on Matarazzi. Um, and it's weird because Zidane has been pre- pretty much exonerated for that for that act, whereas Matarazzi has been painted as the bad guy because he because he trash talked Zidane. 
I mean, as, as yeah, someone, I never, I never understood because there's no proof of what what was said. It was just hearsay, right? I mean, it was everybody makes like, oh, he said this, it says, I'm listen, yeah. I'm sure what he said wasn't nice, but at the end of the day, we've seen reactions of from trash talk given by players all the time, and they're always the ones red carded, and they're always the ones at fault. This time, I don't know why why the issue is that all of a sudden, you know, he does, mm. Zidane gets red carded, but it, but Matarazzi. Was I think they, I think they even suspended Materazzi for a couple of games afterwards, right? A yeah. couple of Euro yeah, 2000 qualifiers, yeah. like like for what? Like you don't even have any proof of what was said. Yeah, it's exactly. crazy. Exactly, it's crazy. hypocrisy, hypocrisy, very yeah. hypocritical. Yeah. Wild, wild. Mm. And and yeah. going back to Cassano, who, who who you mentioned you mentioned before. I mean, um, from your, I mean, there's a famous line from from Robert De Niro's character in A Bronx Tale where he says he tells his son that there's nothing sadder in life than than wasted talent. And I know that you're a big fan of the natural talent Cassano had. Um, I mean, I'd like to know from you, being a top-level sportsman yourself, how do you deal and train these kind of incredibly gifted, but, but say volatile, a little bit volatile talents like a Cassano to, to ensure that they fulfill their potential? Um, I don't know. You know, Cassano was a very particular guy. He was unbelievably talented. For me, He's the closest thing I've seen to Baggio, you know, not, not mm. Totti, who I, who I rate, not Dothiero, who I kind of rate, but Cassano's talent was uh, another level if, uh, if he would just have had his head, on, head screwed on straight, you know. But he, uh, you know, he was a very particular guy. A lot of things made him unhappy. A lot of coaches, uh, you know, rubbed him the wrong way. And, you know, sometimes it's, you think like it's the coach or sometimes it might, but then at a certain point you realize it's the player when it's every single time and every single team you go to, then you realize it is the player. Unfortunately, you know, um, Mario Balotelli is the same kind of way. You know, uh, I used to rate him. I used to, um, you know, look at him like, you know, and think like, ah, oh, he just has to find a coach that will support his style, support his personality and whatnot. But then at a certain point you realize everywhere he went, he was the problem. So at, at a certain point, yeah, it became uh, pretty, pretty obvious that it was became pretty obvious that, um, you know, he was the he was the problem, and you know, you kind of have to come to grips with it. Balotelli is more of a pure scorer. Cassano is the kind of player that I love, He's like a Baggio, you know, where he can score, but also very creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Maradona was actually like that. Yeah, he's a street a player, player play, yeah. play, playmaker, and also a scorer. You know, so um, free kick takers as well. You know, um, I really, uh, uh, really uh, appreciate and enjoy watching talent like that, but. At the end of the day, you kind of you also have to be a team player um, because there's a locker room you have to kind of there's a locker room chemistry you have to keep together. Another reason why I like Baggio so much, you know, he had the issue with Lippi because at Inter there was uh, some players trash talking Lippi in the locker room, and and Lippi went to Baggio as the captain or as one of the team leaders, and basically said, "Let me know who's who's starting these these voices behind my back." And Baggio wouldn't tell him because Baggio is more for the chemistry of the team, mm. and Lippi punished them by basically benching him, you know. And then, uh, but when when it came time for Lippi to play for that fourth place Champions League spot, because at the time they had just you know, they had just started that rule, they had play, had to play a tiebreaker against Parma, and he had been benching Baggio, benching Baggio, and not getting the performances he needed out of the team. But for the tiebreaker, he played he played Baggio, and I think Baggio scored like one or two goals, even though he knew the next season he was leaving he was leaving for Bologna because he he couldn't get along with his coach. So Baggio could have easily just packed it in and just and just not played hard. And, and, you know, allowed Palmer to get into the Champions League instead. But instead, he played hard. He, he scored at least one goal, I remember, in the game. Inter beat Palmer. And then in the, in, the, in the post-game interview after, he even said, you know, there's a lot of rumors saying that I'm not ready and I'm not this and I, and, and I haven't been uh, fit to play and whatnot, you know. I hope, every, I hope, I hope uh, this performance uh, uh, um, 
basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, I hope this performance kind of makes my point. He goes, these fans wouldn't have deserved me to not play hard today. You know, because so basically for the fans, he, he wanted Inter to go into the Champions League next year, despite mm. the yeah. fact that he knew he wouldn't be on the team next year. You know, and to me, mm. that's, that's just a, 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 a character and, and a player uh, you can be really passionate about. You know, it values the fans over any kind of, yeah, any kind of bickering uh, you might have had with the coach and everything. And yeah, even though, he knew he was gonna, even though he knew he was knew he was not going to partake in the next year's Champions League, he still wanted the fans to be able to mm. enjoy the team getting to the Champions League, and that's what he did. And then he went mm. to Bologna the next year, mm. honoring the shirt. Um, let's uh, talk he about the. To, or he went to Brescia actually. Actually, he went to where? Yeah. Inter. Did he go to Brescia? Yeah, I think he, yeah, he went to Brescia after that because he was he was from Bologna. Yeah. He came to. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the Serie A now. And what do you make uh, of the start to the Serie A season? And who do you think is going to win the Serie A title this season? Is it going to be a ten in a row for Juve? No, or I didn't think... like. I didn't like. I, I didn't like. Um, I didn't like what they did to Napoli with the Juve game, and I, I'm really, I'm really, really uh, curious about that. You know, by the way, I grew as I said, I grew up earlier. As, uh, I grew up as a Juve fan, but in 2007. I got uh, a call from Milan to to hang out at Milanello after I won my world championship. You know, and I spent a week there, and they invited me there, and uh, it was really a. So I had a a lot of love for Milan after that because you know they were the ones that gave me that invite and not uh, and not Juve. You know, um, it was a really cool experience. So after that, you know, I, I had a lot of love for Milan. I think at this point, I just love the Serie A, and I want the Serie A to kind of be um be on top of things and be one of the best leagues in the world, uh, so that we you know we our teams get the respect they deserve, you know, uh, from the international crowd. Um, so I'm, I don't go as crazy about who wins the Serie A as, mu- as much as I do go crazy about who wins international tournaments, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'll watch the Serie A games and just kind of try to take a, a backseat and just enjoy them and just try to watch some good games, you know. That's mm-hmm. kind of my approach. Now, I, don't, I wouldn't really say I have a favorite Serie A team, you know. I, I have just like, a, I just love the Serie A. And For so sure. having said that, you know, I, I don't think what happened to Napoli was very fair because Napoli – and Serie A could be, could have all the, could have 15 points right now. I mean, I, I, I right? I, I, they, they were, they, they were, they were taken. Four points were taken away for that Juve game. I mean, they have, a, they have 11 points right now. They would be at the top yeah. of the Serie A table if not for the judgment on that Juve game. I have to ask you about uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic because he's 39 years old and he's playing at an incredibly ridiculous high level. And as as you you were a you know you were you were you were the best boxer in the world. You were you were elite level uh, athlete. I mean, how does someone remain at the top of their sport for so long the way that he has? Um, you know, obviously he has a passion for it. Uh, diligent working, obviously. Um, uh, you know, I don't <laughs> what anything else he might be doing. I don't know, but you know. Um, <laughs> 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 Definitely, yeah, he keeps a passion for the sport for sure. It started there, you know. Um, I saw him in the MLS last year in the in the U.S. and I I loved the banter he had with the media and the fans because you know <laughs> they just they just cannot appreciate a, a, the combination of a of a world class player and character. It's like you, plays, you know? It's like you, Paulie. Yeah, yeah, you know. I, I got a kick out of him with uh, dealing with the American media. But, um, you know, they were trying to compare him to Carlos Vela and all that. <laughs> he was laughing. <laughs> you guys kidding me? You know, so it was, uh, it was kind of funny to, to see. But at day's end, uh, I think he's doing an amazing job with, with Milan. Um, and uh, really, he's a, part, a big reason why Milan has started the season so well and, uh, and, and, and so good. I mean, uh, we're, we're, you kind of mentioned the Champions League already, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about what you, how you rate the Italian team's chances uh, of success in the Champions League this season. Who, who do you think will go the furthest of, out of the four? Uh, I don't know, man. Honestly, I, I'm not 
I, I don't like what I've seen so far from the from the teams. Uh, Atalanta is always an exciting team, but they're too exciting for their own good. You know, uh, even last night's <laughs> game, Atalanta, Atalanta always always makes the game worthwhile to watch. You know, they're always a lot of fun, but but I don't know that, that, that a team that plays that open of a style can win. They're, they're so they're, they're probably one of the most fun teams to watch in Europe. You know, uh, they play such a non-Italian open style. You know, it's crazy, but mm. um, I, I, I think we're gonna enjoy them. I don't think they're going to win. Inter, I don't know what's wrong with them, man. I mean, that was a proper Champions League. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with them but either. At least, that group, at least that group is kind of tight. You know, Inter can still get out of that group. But that group is all kind of blended up in there. Mm. Amazingly shocked our Donetsk is at the top of it now. Um, you, I don't know. We're going to see tonight. But they have to play Barcelona with no, with no, uh, with no Ronaldo. And I don't know if, if, if Bonucci's playing either because I know Bonucci – a little bit of an issue over the weekend, so mm. I don't know if we're gonna have Bonucci. We're definitely not gonna have Ronaldo because he didn't pass his uh, coronavirus test again. So there's gonna be no Ronaldo tonight, and uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, I mean, it's an important, important game, obviously, in Barcelona. So I'm curious about that. I'll probably have a better idea of what I, what I think, once I watch this game. Although Barcelona's not doing great in La Liga either, right? I mean, I don't think they've had a great start to their their season either, right? That's yeah. right. Messi's had the worst start to a season for. Yeah, he hasn't yeah. even scored. He hasn't even scored a, a non-penalty goal this season. So yeah, yeah. should, should be an interesting. Yeah, the way I put these two teams in the same group, in my opinion, to see one less one Ronaldo and Messi rivalry, yeah. kind of all gone to a dud, you know. But we'll see. Yeah. So now you were a fighter with with a great heart uh, and, and great courage, and you know you mentioned the, the Miguel Cotto fight before. Wh- which footballers do you admire for for having a, a great heart and courage? Uh, I always liked Gattuso. Uh, I thought he was always uh, uh, a, a strong-minded character on the field. You know, uh, I think as far as when I think of heart and courage and determination, uh, I think the first guy that came to my mind was Gattuso, you know, uh, growing up, you know, uh, or in, in, in my life. You know, I've, obviously I've seen a lot of guys growing up, but I think that the most stern combination of player on the field and character, tough character is uh, Gattuso for me. Okay, now it's time for our patron question, which today comes from Arturo Morelli, who is actually from the same neighborhood as you, Paulie. Go ahead, Art. What's up, Magic Man? My Twitter followers know me as Art Morelli, but as a fellow Bensonhurst kid, you can call me Artie. I'm such a big fan and a follower of your career. You were such a speedy, skilled, and accomplished fighter, a great trash talker, and always had that new, flashy look in the ring. Is there a player or a club in Italian football today that you identify with? or one that you feel best represents who you are as an athlete? Thanks for taking my question. Um, you know, I never really thought about that. I, I, I always try to be a, I always try, I, my mind has always been towards uh, the creative kind of fighter, you know, um, as a boxer. Uh, and I was not a power puncher, so I had to use my speed and creativity and uh, sort of fantasia, as we call it in Italian, <laughs> to, to uh, create opportunities, create openings. So I, I was always... Um, uh, attracted to, uh, you know, players with a lot of fantasy on the field too. You know, uh, th- those are the kind of players that I, I really liked, you know, uh, I enjoyed watching Maradona. I enjoyed watching, uh, uh, Baggio, you know, uh, I enjoyed watching, um, you know, Pirlo, uh, guys with a lot of fantasy. You know, I, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I, if I'd compare myself to them as far as boxer to, to, to football, but at the same time, the idea of, of what I was trying to accomplish in there and the idea of what they're trying to accomplish in there kind of in, puts the mindset in the same place in terms of creativity and, and, and fantasista, you know? Final question to, 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 to finish off the interview. 
Uh, we couldn't have you on, obviously, without a quick prediction on, on who will win the Tyson Fury and Ancini Joshua fight when they finally get it on. So who's your, who's your money on? Um, I think both are great fighters. I think both are great characters. And I think both uh, have done uh, an amazing job, not just for British boxing, but world boxing. Um, I, I, I think Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight in the world. So right now I, 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 I edge it towards Tyson Fury. But um, I, I also want to see the fight. So therefore, if I want to see the fight, it means I, I do think Joshua has something for Fury that makes the fight worthwhile. You know, So mm. although my pick would be Fury... I think it's a fight worth making, and I think I think it's a fight worth watching, and I think uh, and, and and I look forward to hopefully having them make it soon. Absolutely, I can't wait for that either. Okay, well, Paulie, thank you so much for for coming onto the show. I mean, you, you've showed yourself to be just as an astute and knowledgeable analyst on on Italian soccer as you, as you are on boxing. So thank you so much. We wish you all the best, champ. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was a real pleasure to chat. I'll catch you guys soon. Thanks so much, Paulie. And finally, once again, if you want to get access to all the episodes and content of the Italian Football Podcast, go to patreon.com slash TIFP. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will catch you once again on Monday for the review episode. Ciao, ciao.